am Kiki Shear, CMO of Fitter, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I'm really delighted today to introduce our guest. He is the co-founder uh, of Nexva. Now, uh, if you do go back to my episode 160, you'll uh, meet and, and be able to hear his uh, other co-founder. That's uh, Sean Zelber. Uh, this time I have Brian Friedman. Uh, this He's a very interesting guy to touch out to. This is an excellent episode. I really highly encourage you to stay tuned. And uh, we're going to be uh, encouraging you to think a little bit more broadly than just think about putting apps into the uh, Apple and the, the Google Play stores. So uh, let me introduce Brian. Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, we know that uh, you know, you've got a busy schedule, but it's, it's great to, to get you on. So th- thanks for joining us. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. So I wanted to try and encourage the audience to think more broadly than um, the app stores. You know, I, I recently learned this phrase, which is uh, some kind of saying where you can either play with the sharks in the Red Sea, you know, where there's a lot of competition. So obviously the app stores, Google and Apple, millions of apps, very hard to get discovered. Or you can try your hand at some other um, uh, opportunities. And so I believe that's what Nexva offers. Exactly. Um, what what we've really done is we've taken a, a much more localized approach to app stores. We work with a lot of telcos currently in in emerging markets. We're now starting to migrate into more middle markets and, and more emerged markets. But really, what we're trying to show to all parties in the ecosystem is that there's a better way to do this, and there's a, a better way to find what you're looking for and to get discovered. So, for example, if, if you go to a country, uh, we're doing quite a bit of work, for example, in Africa right now. If you go to Nigeria and you look in the Google Play Store, you find the same million-plus apps. If you go to a store that we're running, you might find five or 10,000 apps, but they're very localized. We're encouraging local developers to create content for the market, and we're also encouraging the operators to focus on the types of apps that are relevant to their customers, and not just a whole bunch of stuff to fill up the app store. Yeah, because I'm thinking, Brian, as like we've got a lot of apps to try. Uh, developers, uh, app developers, listening to this now, and uh, it tends to be that you create an app, you throw it onto Google or Apple, and then you think about uh, it going to other countries, and all you tend to do is perhaps change the. Uh, language uh, of the app and maybe some of the marketing messages, but there's no real localization of the app. Are you you saying that we can take uh, our apps and then really focus them on the local markets, such as you mentioned, Nigeria? Is that what we should do in it before putting those into your store? The, The more relevant that any app is to the potential user, the more likely it is that you'll see success. So obviously, localization is important. Language localization, of course, is always very important. But even if you look at the app, if there's certain things that you can tweak to make it more relevant for a particular region or particular cultures, um, obviously you've got a higher chance of success. And, and that's really what it takes. It's, it's 
there, there's very few apps that are just one size fits all. And I think if you can take that approach about localization, about some customization for different markets, I think you'll see greater chances of success with distribution. Yeah, I've had some previous guests uh, where they've created apps for Apple, for example. They've lived in New York. They've had they've earned something like $50,000 a month because their app was featured by Apple. And then Apple pulled the plug and then their money dried up and they just were, they had to, you know, basically start again. And so so that, you know, it's almost they're, they're playing the hand of God in, in a way because, you know, if you get featured, it's great. And if they then don't like you anymore, you, you never get discovered. Uh, do you have any mechanisms for the discoverability and how you feature some of the apps? We really allow the operators to do a lot of work in terms of selecting and featuring apps. Um, some of our operators are much more active in terms of uh, promoting apps, sending out uh, SMS messages, for example, with uh, links to the app store and, and particular apps. Others are, are a little less active in that, and we then do try to reach out to the developer community to find apps that are relevant and to assist in promotion. We're also in the process of creating some other types of tools for promoted apps, um, such as advertising with banners and, and different things that will really enable developers to gain some traction, get visibility, get the downloads that they're looking for. Yeah, because to, to be an indie app developer that say where you've got just a small portfolio of apps, uh, we know that it's incredibly hard to compete on the, the big stores because they're dominated by the big publishers. And in fact, there's some kind of statistic, which is, I'm going to, you know, just uh, estimate it now, but roughly most of the, the 15 billion that's paid out by Apple per year does go to just the top 50 publishers. And are you finding, does that like replicate itself within your own app stores or, or is it a little bit more a democratization of how apps are discovered? Well, there, there's definitely more of a democratization because we're giving the opportunity to developers who are in the region or are building for the region to be able to be seen, to be noticed, to get downloaded. And, and I really think that's one of the big differences. You're, you're absolutely right. The statistics, when you look at who's making the money and where the money's going, is pretty dismal as it pertains to the independent app developers because the, the big publishing houses are spending millions and millions of dollars to promote their apps, and, and they're overshadowing everybody else. So to be successful, we really feel that developers need to start to look outside of the box a bit, away from the, the, the Play Store and from uh, the iTunes Store, and start to look at other distribution avenues where they have some opportunity to be seen, to gain downloads, to gain some success and recognition. So I'm almost thinking of how best to help the audience listening to this and uh, I'm tempted to you know ask for example um, there's some people that have made a lot of money with the Halo app it's an app that pretty much is sim very similar to Uber and they just released it in different markets so, so I'm thinking that is it true that not all of the big apps are on a lot of your you know the, the app stores and is there an opportunity to take the features of some of those apps that say, you know, Instagram, for example, and present them into your store, maybe a little bit more localized, and then pick up some of that, 
you know th- those downloads that you wouldn't normally get in if you went to the major app stores sure um you know what what we do know is that a lot of the really big apps and the big publishers they they focus only on the main stores and they're not that keen to put their content into third-party stores or other stores such as ours. Um, Because of that, there is a void, and there's a void that's created because those large marquee apps aren't there. And I think that if a developer looks and takes some of those features, as you say, and modifies those for a local market, there's a real opportunity to have a kind of like uh, application that will enable them to be uh, discovered and to be successful i'm almost very tempted to ask you what is the void you know for example <laughs> like is uh, instagram in there uh, is um, i'm guessing facebook must be on some of your stores um, but uh, let, let me just say that it's it's a bit surprising to us and especially given that we work with major international operators like mtn and like airtel that still some of the marquee titles uh, do not want to go away from the play in the iTunes stores. Yeah, I, I guess uh, does that create a little bit of a challenge then? Because you must have on the one hand the telcos who want the you know popular apps that uh, would uh, maybe you know help their app stores to you know present themselves as being competitors to Android, uh, Google, and Google Play, and uh, and the Apple App Store. But then on the other hand. Uh, these guys, as you say, are just not wanting to play in that market. So does that cause a bit of tension for you? There's obviously the concern that uh, people will be looking for certain titles that they want and they may not be able to find them in stores like ours. The other side to that is that we then provide the, the better piece of the experience, which is after you've downloaded those two, three, or five apps that you really feel you have to have, then you come and find the things that are relevant to you, and you find those in the localized store. So they're, they're, they can coexist in a way that each has its place and each has the benefit for the marketplace. So Brian, there's you know, quite a lot of developers listening to this as we speak, and I, I wondered if, to, to encourage them to almost check it out, are you able to give us an example of what's likely uh, in, in terms of monetization uh, and you know do you have examples of like I guess developers who you pay out and because you must have like some sort of payouts that you keep a, a track on do, do you roughly know how much you pay out to developers on average well what what you find is that different markets require different pricing for one thing um, it, it's very difficult to take US or UK pricing and put those into some of the markets that we're in. So first of all, we do have to do some price adjustment to make um, premium apps or freemium apps relevant and attractive in the particular markets. Um, the other part in terms of how the pricing schemes go, it, it really varies in terms of which market it is and in some cases which operator it is. Uh, we have variable schemes and the way that our platform is set up, the developers can select the markets that they want to distribute in and they can reject or, or keep out of other markets if they're not interested in what the payout scheme looks like. 
Yeah, because when you just um, think about some of the markets you mentioned, Nigeria uh, is, I guess it's hard to, uh, um, you know, expect uh, the same sort of level of uh, uh, pricing points as you would uh, expect in, U- in the West. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But then trying to get 99p out of someone who's walking around in you know, London in New York is sometimes really difficult as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. And, and it, it, of course, is why we're starting to see a, a very significant shift to what monetization schemes look like for different apps. Uh, but the other thing that we do that does differentiate us from the Play Store, for example, is all of our stores are directly tied to the operator billing platform. So what we're doing is we're creating monetization opportunities in markets where the traditional method of buying an app or paying for an in-app purchase, which is credit card payment, it's generally not available in these markets. So by tying into the billing platform, the operator billing platform, the customer can use their mobile money account or their, their carrier account to be able to pay for things that they wouldn't be able to buy because they don't have credit cards. So, so Brian, the other thing we like to do on this show is that uh, – we like people to leave their corporate jobs and start in a startup or start as indie app developers. Okay. We've actually had a lot of people that have done this already, which uh, it kind of worries me a little bit, but you know, <laughs> you're very persuasive. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's almost like you, you are the co-founder of this awesome uh, company and you're really, you know, disrupting markets and tra- I'm guessing there's a lot of travel. What's a, a typical day like for you? Perhaps you can give us some taste of, of what's it like to, to be a co-founder and, and tra- I guess, travel around the world? Well, it, it's interesting. Um, I'm based in California, and a good share of our business is uh, in Africa and Asia and parts of Eastern Europe. So uh, my days tend to trend very early and very late, for one thing, uh, just because of time zones. Yeah, the time zone but, is dreadful, uh, isn't it, like, in, in, it for California? It's a, it's a challenge. <laughs> but... Um, the other thing that, that it really is very interesting about is that it's enabled me to have this opportunity to deal with all kinds of different cultures and all kinds of different uh, perceptions of what this market looks like to be able to, to find out what works and what doesn't work, what different types of opportunities we create. We, we've, we've basically got a, a template of what the app store offering that we, that we bring to the carriers looks like. But each time it has to be modified in a way that works for the local culture, the local sensibilities, in a lot of cases, uh, language orientation as well. So we've we've really been able to find a lot of opportunities to work with the local uh, telcos in that respect. The other thing that's, that's interesting and we're really trying to push is to get the telcos more actively involved in running developer contests and different challenges to be able to encourage app development on a local level. And, and it's something that's different in different countries. Some countries are more advanced technologically than others, but we're really trying to use this as a tool to help local developers and people with interest in developing to come to the forefront, to participate in these challenges, put their apps into the stores, and, and then hopefully for the, the local population to support them for the, those efforts. Yeah, well, I've also done a lot of traveling around Africa myself, and I know that it's just it's an awesome place to uh, to, to go, and the people are f- fantastic. So, um, in terms of uh, you know, you do a lot of work with telcos. I'm wondering, 
like at some point, uh, you know, app stores should be offered by any large organizations that tend to have very big user bases and customer bases. You know, for example, some of the big retail giants as well. Have you had any discussions outside of the telco area for alternative app stores? We have actually, um, and and you're very right that um, if if you start to look at where people will go for content, uh, it we believe it's going to become much more segmentized and much more vertically oriented than it currently is. Um, what, what we find is, and, and a little bit of the way that I tend to describe it, is the, uh, the, the large stores, the, the Play Store and the iTunes Store, are really like your huge shopping center, whether it's a, a Walmart or a, a Costco or, or some, some place that, that just has a bit of everything. And, and what we're really looking at, number one, with the operator stores, but then also with some of these vertical stores, much more boutique-like. And so you would go to a particular vertical store because you have a, an interest, whether it's a, a sporting interest or a sporting team or a travel interest or whatever it might be. You might go to a vertically-oriented store to find curated content that's geared specifically to your interest. And I think I think we're going to start to see much more of that as as the market matures. Yeah, let's hope so because we do need some, you know, diversity as well and uh, to to ensure that the maximum discoverability of the, you know, the content that we're putting out there. So, um there's one thing we need to do before we say goodbye, Brian, and that is this is the App Guy podcast talking about apps and uh, you know, you live in California. I'm sure that if you picked up your smartphone, you could give us one or two good recommendations for apps that, that get you through your business life or personal life. Have you got a, a couple that you think would be uh, new to us or ones that we may not have come across before? I'm, I'm a fan of Slack at the moment. It's a, uh, a workplace collaboration tool. It's both desktop and uh, app. I think it's it's great. They're, they're getting an awful lot of... Uh, interest right now and and I just think it's a really really good tool um, there's one that I've liked for a long time called Worldmate which is a travel app and um, that is one where you uh, you you forward your travel information and it builds uh, your itinerary so all of that is in one place on your smartphone and then for example with flight delays they're monitoring all the flights so you'll all of a sudden get a, a an alert that says that a flight is delayed. I one time had a situation where I was sitting in a restaurant, got a notice that my flight was three hours late, continued to enjoy my meal, got to the airport, checked in. They said, well, why did you just get here now? I said, because I knew you weren't going anywhere. So um, That's great. You know, there, there, there's lots of opportunities for things like that. And, and, and I really think if you look at the value of apps, it's really about productivity. It's about time usage for example so you know let's call that playing games or whatever it might be and and then you know there's a whole lot of other stuff but it, when you focus in on the things that you really use it's about the things that are useful to you and the things that allow you to pass time and and i think you know those those are some probably valuable focuses if you're looking to build something you know, look to who who's your target and what is it that you can do to make their life interesting, better, more attractive, whatever it might be that you're trying to do, but but something of value that you can add to them in the course of creating an app? Yeah, it actually does come on the back of us. We're just having a chat about that on another episode. And, uh, you know, the fact that your phone can know where you are 
and what you have planned that you have that exactly that uh, ability that, such as world made which is you can pre-warn people for traffic jams and uh, and flight delays so that that's a great recommendation so yeah for those listening just go to the app guy uh, the app guy.co and uh, search out episode 248 with uh, brian friedman and you'll see links to those uh, as well as uh, everything else you know I, I would like to ask as well just before we say goodbye is um you must have like some frustrations in and some pain points in your business right now it's always a good source uh, of um discussion because it could lead to some interesting ideas uh, and I wondered what 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 is the biggest pain points you're s- s- seeing in your business right now? I I think because we are quite localized. Obviously, we don't always find enough content of local relevance. So that's that's a frustration, and and it goes back a bit to what we were talking about before. That that's a little bit about just encouraging the local developer community, encouraging people to focus their attention. I think you know, what, what we see, and especially being in the West, is a lot of other parts of the world are not on our radar. And because of that, we tend not to build content for markets other than our own. And, and I think that's a little bit about it. Uh, start, start to look to broader shores. Start to look where there are other opportunities. But you know, really make sure that you're focusing your attention on what's relevant to those the, the populations and, and people in those areas as well. Um, I think one of the other frustrations is just that it's because we're not Google Play, because some of the inherent mechanisms in the Play Store don't work on any of the alternative stores, it does require the developers to do a little bit of, of extra work to make their app work in a in a third-party store such as an Exiva store or an operator store that we run and I think that developers just need to look at that and say I'm willing to invest that little bit of extra energy to get the opportunity to open new markets and I think once they start to do that we'll we'll really see a change in the mentality and a change in the way that these stores work. Almost we also also come up with some great ideas on this show we've had a lot over the years and uh, I'm thinking that there's an opportunity to create some kind of service that bridges the gap so that you throw it into a some kind of third-party mix where they, they get the app ready and do all the work and then uh, submit it to you or wh- whatever it means. But, but I think there's definitely some kind of service that could be quite beneficial there, you know, so that the developer doesn't uh, have to, you know, do that extra work and, and just gives it to this third party. And I don't know if there's anyone that does that. There's a number of different groups that are trying to do that with with parts and pieces, and of course, there there's so many moving parts that you know, I don't think anyone could build um, an API or a wrapper kit that did all of these different things. But there there certainly are some that are trying to do that, and I think to the extent that we can start to standardize a few of these components, it definitely will create some better opportunities. So yeah. I, I think we're going to start to see some some of those types of companies coming along, and I think that we'll start to see more of these opportunities to package apps so that they can be distributed in a number of different stores. Yeah, and hopefully some of that will come from those third-party uh, kits that you can get. You know, the, the, obviously it's not just Xcode that we're building in, but uh, you you can build on third-party platforms, and maybe that would make it easier. Uh, sure. 
Yeah, Brian, it's been great. Thank you so much. Very inspirational episode. Certainly uh, for everyone listening, they, they need to go and, and check out nextford.com and uh, I'll make sure I'll put links. But how best can uh, people connect and reach out to you and your company? Uh, I'm at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at nextford.com. Um, if you're a developer and you're interested in signing up with us, uh, you can go to our developer portal, which is cp.nextford.com. It uh, takes you through the process of uh, joining us, uh, signing our contract, uploading your, your content, and uh, selecting the markets that you want to be distributed in. We'd love to uh, have some of your listeners join us and uh, start to distribute their, their content in some of our markets. That's wonderful, Brian. All, all the best, and, uh, and thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Terrific. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it.